Sunday morning at 11 on Radio Catskill. Good evening, it's 6.30 and it's the local edition. I'm Tim Bruno, sitting in for Jason Dole. Tonight on the show, we'll be checking in with Jim Huntington on WorkShift Live. We'll also get a preview of a talk at the Upper Delaware Council from the director of Pennsylvania's uh, Director of Outdoor Recreation. But first, it's Wednesday. That means we've got to check in with Liam Mayo of The River Reporter joining us on the line now. It's Liam. Liam, how are you? Hi, Tim. I'm pretty good. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. I'm, uh, I'm sitting in, filling in here and getting the, getting the hang of things. Uh, let's check in with some of the news that you're covering. It looks like um, it's a big topic of conversation online has been about uh, Sullivan County Legislature, an agenda topic tomorrow about Hughes Energy. But it seems like that's not going to be happening tomorrow. There's not going to be a vote on this tomorrow, contrary to some of those rumors. What can you tell us about this project? Refresh our memories, and can you clarify what what happened, why the confusion, and what's actually taking place? Right. So this project was a proposal by a company called Hughes Energy to um, process some of Sullivan County's trash through a steam autoclave process that would take the trash sort of put it through a steam system and have the organic material in that trash come out as fiber. Um, there have been a lot of complaints against this process. The process itself kind of has a shaky um, track record. Um, and when it was originally before the legislature in um, November, the legislature wanted to take a longer time to think about different alternatives for dealing with Sullivan County's trash. So uh, that particular proposal um, got pushed off um, by a rule of the legislature. I believe it's Rule 36. Now, the problem with the way they did that is it the lease agreements with Hughes Energy never left the legislature's agenda. Um, the way Rule 36 works, I think, uh, to the best of my knowledge, uh, the item is considered unfinished business. So it keeps turning up on every subsequent agenda um, of the Sullivan County Legislature or the full legislature um, until it is resolved. So um, earlier in the week, the um, agenda for a special meeting of the legislature on Thursday came out. And Hughes Energy it was on the agenda for that meeting, and people were concerned that um, that it wasn't just on there because of. We're losing you a little bit there. Is actually going. Yeah, that you were saying. Yeah, you were saying that it was on there. Not that they, that there there was also it didn't look like there was going to be a, a public comment period at that during that right, and then that caused some outrage. Liam, do we? I, I, oh, I believe just... that is the case. Sorry, yeah. no, Can it's you okay. Still hear me? Yeah, we hear you. You're just kind of cutting in and out there a little bit, but yeah, it looks like there was an error in the agenda for the Sullivan County Legislature. Uh, there's uh, not going to be a vote to lease uh, to Hughes Energy. It was accidentally listed as taking place tomorrow, uh, so there won't be a vote on that tomorrow. Just to clarify. Yes, although the what I will 
say about sort of people's concerns is um, throughout this process, uh, the legislature has said, hey, we're trying to take this slowly. We're trying to really incorporate everyone's feedback. Um, and there's been a lot of skepticism about that um, sort of founded in the way the legislature has treated uh, certain topics of popular concern in the past. I think the adult care center and um, the way redistricting was handled are two of the things that people were concerned about and were unhappy with the way they were handled. So even though this didn't end up coming to, um, even though this meeting isn't going to feature Hughes Energy, I think people's concerns about this process and the way it's potentially going to be handled are rooted in the legislature's actual past behavior. So I think there's a little bit of basis there, Mm -hmm. even if the legislature is saying we're going to do this differently this time. Right. There's some tragic news out of Locke Sheldrake. Um, It looks like there was a couple whose bodies were recovered from the uh, lake uh, after an ice fishing trip. Um, The two had not been heard from since Monday. Their daughter had called Sullivan County Sheriff's Office and asked that a welfare check be performed on her parents. They didn't see anybody at home. Uh, and then she told them that they might have gone ice fishing. Can you tell us a little bit more about what happened and, and what the sheriff uh, said? Yeah. I mean, as you, you said, the daughter told um, the, or they gave the advice that her parents may have gone ice fishing. So uh, police response were checked uh, ponds in the area. They found the couple's vehicle um, and after divers were called out, they recovered their bodies in um, in water. Um, and the sheriff sort of took the opportunity to remind people that um, we've had warm weather recently, and the ice on the lakes and the ponds isn't that thick, um, and urged people to have caution when they are around bodies of water and potentially going out on the ice. Yeah, it looks like the New York State Police responded, recovered the bodies in 10 feet of water, about 100 feet from the shore. So again, uh, the sheriff's advice, well heated, use extreme caution and always let someone know where you're going. Uh, The ice on the ponds and lakes is not thick. Um, Also, let's uh, turn to the Hounsdale Borough Council. They had a meeting recently. Uh, Someone was ousted from the meeting. What's what's happened there? Why were they removed from the council? Uh, And what's the next course of action? Right. Um, So at last Tuesday's meeting of the Hounsdale Borough Council, one council member, David Nielsen, called for a vote to remove the president, James Hamill, um, not from the council as a whole, but just from his seat in the presidency. Um, that vote went through uh, by four to three um, on a seven-person council, and um, the vote reinstated the president who had taken place, uh, who had occupied that position from 2016 to 2022, Michael Angelo. Um, so the president who was ousted, James Hamill, came to power last year um, along with Mayor Derek Williams. They were both new to their roles, and they characterized their election a little bit as a changing of the guard. Uh, Hamill, in an interview after um, 
after his election, sort of focused on uh, the need to bring more transparency to the borough council, as well as trying to focus on some of its infrastructure problems. Um, and there was just a lot of infighting around um, sort of the his his role on the council and um some of the members of the council thought that he was micromanaging certain of the committees uh he thought that the uh, council member who voted to oust him um had poor interactions with borough staff um and overall some of the takeaways people had from that was just that it distracted from the borough doing its business that there was this rift between council members and that has kind of been coming up over the past year that Hamill was in office and it's sort of making the borough look bad, but also distracting from some of the business that the borough council needs to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, an update on Camp Thimfo. Uh, Can you bring us up to speed on the project? It looks like the National Park Service has concerns. Yeah. Um, So the Town of Highland Planning Board has been waiting for comments from the National Park Service, who um, will determine whether Camp Simfo was in conformance or not with the Delaware River Management Plan. Uh, Camp Simfo, for those who may not know, is the project to uh, revitalize a a campground, the former Kittatinny campground, uh, with a multi-million dollar uh, many, many million dollars um, project. Um, and the National Park Service, in its comments, said that they needs more information on a, a few things. Uh, it said it needs a high water evacuation plan to make sure that all of the infrastructure um, the camp is planning to put in gets removed and doesn't end up in the river during a flood. Um, there's certain things with the erosion and the vegetation disturbance that it needs more details on. And there is, um, they want better visualizations of this proposed development from the river and from certain points of Route 97 so that it can make sure it doesn't impact the character and recreation of the area. Um, So the Town of Highland Planning Board still is kind of indicating that it will wait for the NPS to make its determination before it moves forward. Uh, but there was a little pushback from the Camp Simfo applicants asking the planning board to move forward a little bit. And the planning board did schedule a meeting uh, for an executive session to uh, discuss the secret process in more detail. So That's coming up on Mar- March 8th, yeah. Uh, yes. and then there's some, uh, public meetings, uh, three public hearings, uh, one starting, I think it looks like March 22nd at the Eldred High School gym. You guys have more about that and all of these stories in the next edition of the River Reporter, which hits stands tomorrow. And you can also read about all this at riverreporter.com. Liam Mayo, Mr. River Reporter, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Take care. All right. And when we come back, we will talk to Nathan Rayner. He is the Pennsylvania Director of Outdoor Recreation. What's that and what are the benefits? We'll find out next on the Local Edition. 
This is Rosie Starr, host of Farm and Country. Join us Saturday mornings at 11 for WJFF's locally produced radio show relating to life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. Tune in to 90.5 FM, stream us live, or listen to the archive on our website, wjffradio.org. See you Saturday, just after Radio Chatskill and before Catskill Character. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. It is The Local Edition. I'm Tim Bruno sitting in tonight. The Upper Delaware Council presents a special event for outdoor enthusiasts and community community members tomorrow with Nathan Rayner. He is the Pennsylvania Director of Outdoor Recreation. That presentation is at the UDC office in Narrowsburg, New York, and also on Zoom starting at 7 p.m. Rayner has extensive experience in analyzing, planning, managing, and building collaborations to support outdoor recreation at every level, and he had a chance to speak with Radio Catskills' Patricio Romayo. Patricio first asked him, what's the purpose of a director of outdoor recreation position in Pennsylvania, and how does it benefit residents? Simply put, my job is to expand and ensure the benefits of outdoor recreation for all Pennsylvanians, for Pennsylvanians as individuals, as communities, and as a commonwealth. And the benefits that flow from outdoor recreation, there are many. There are environmental benefits, there are health benefits, which we all know about. And importantly, there are economic benefits. There are economic benefits to the commonwealth. For example, $14 billion is contributed to our gross domestic product every year from outdoor recreation. And there are benefits delivered to communities in terms of um, jobs that are meaningful and connect people's passion to their profession um, in terms of uh, vibrance and energy that outdoor communities get and um, and the way that outdoor communities are attractive. They're attractive to residents, they help retain our youth, and they help attract new Pennsylvanians to the Commonwealth. I see you have a PhD in the social sciences. How did the social sciences and the outdoor recreation come together? Thanks for asking about that. So outdoor recreation experiences are powerful and meaningful for people. They help us uh, form our conception of the natural world and the environment and understand our relationship to it. I think the more of us who have those experiences, the better we are as individuals and the better we are as communities. I also know that as we seek these outdoor experiences, we place pressure on the uh, on the natural resources, on the administrative systems, on the social social and cultural systems um, that help outdoor recreation happen. And so my mission, particularly from this social science based perspective, is to help uh, is to help flex those constraints outward, flex those constraints outward with collaboration and cooperation with clever management, with design and education, so that more of us can have these powerful and meaningful experiences, and we can all be better as individuals and and be better when we come together as communities. Can you give me an example of an outdoor recreation? I'm assuming it's hiking, going out there for like a run in the woods. Exactly what do you mean by outdoor recreation? So... Strictly speaking, it's everything that is not work and not inside. And oftentimes we think about it in terms of the activity, in terms of hiking or biking, 
camping or paddling, hunting, fishing, bird watching, snowmobiling and ATVing, these kinds of activities we think of as outdoor recreation. But in reality, I think outdoor recreation is a, is a social and psychological process in which we seek benefits from these activities. I got a little story I like to tell. There were some scientists up in the Boundary Waters Canoe area years ago in the 60s who were studying anglers, and they wanted to know what made for a good fishing experience. And so these scientists would ask the anglers when they got back to camp at night, how was your fishing today? And the anglers, and the anglers would say, it was great. But then the scientists would say, I notice you've caught no fish. And the anglers would say, yeah, but we saw the sunrise, and there was this eagle that kept flying overhead all day. And I had some heavy things on my heart when I got into the boat, but I spent the day in the boat talking over them with my friend, and now they're all good. I had a great day of fishing. And what that story tells me is that that day of fishing wasn't about catching fish. It was about spending quality time with friends and family. It was about immersion in nature. It was about challenge and accomplishment. It was about being a member of a community of outdoor recreationists. It was about learning and discovery. This is what outdoor recreation is about. The, the, the motivations that we have to be better people and the way that we satisfy those motivations by going outside alone and together. I could definitely relate to that story. When I moved up here from the city a couple of years ago, I took up bird watching. I was never into bird watching when I lived in the city, but living up here, it seemed like it was the thing to do. And I got really into it. I studied it. I got into books. And then I discovered a whole community around me that are also into bird watching. And that's one thing I sort of enjoyed the most, that the community of like-minded people. And you have that time outdoors in the woods and the trails sharing the same experiences? Oftentimes, we think about going outside, about our outdoor recreation as seeking solitude. And my favorite definition of solitude is being alone together. And for me, what that means is we go to these places to be part of a community. We go to these places to join together, whether we, you know, whether we talk with or interact with others or not, we go to these places to, to be a part of another group. I know when I drive down a forest road or I'm hiking on the trail, the other drivers wave to me and I say hello to the other hikers and they say hello back. Now I'm here in Harrisburg and I can tell you when I'm driving down uh, when I'm driving down 322 or when I'm walking down 2nd Street in Harrisburg, other drivers do not wave to me. And I'm not saying hello to other people on the street. And that's one of the things that I, that I think makes outdoor recreation different and special and powerful for us. Wallace Stegner, historian of the American West, said that he was talking about national parks. I think it's true for all parks and for all outdoor recreation. They're the best idea we ever had. Absolutely democratic, absolutely American. It reflects us at our best. And in a time when, in a time of social division, when the algorithms are further specifying the information we receive, when we look at large scale residential settlement patterns and we see segregation, self segregation across all kinds of factors, Outdoor recreation is a force that brings us together, and it's a force that we want to bring us together. 
you have this talk coming up in Nara's Berg, The Tree of Outdoor Recreation. I'm curious about the title. What exactly does that title mean? Well, the, the Tree of Outdoor Recreation bears us a lot of fruit, bears us a lot of benefits. It bears us so many different types of fruit. It's like a fruit salad tree. So we all know that outdoor recreation infrastructure is also green infrastructure. It helps with habitat connectivity, with stormwater management, with temperature regulation, with air and water purification. We also know that outdoor recreation gives us a lot of physical health benefits, strong muscles and bones, healthy cardiovascular systems. I think one of the things that we really came to appreciate during the pandemic were the mental health benefits, the stress reduction associated with being outside. We take all of those individual level benefits, we package them together, and we have healthier communities. We have reduced rates of chronic disease. We have reduced rates of social isolation. We have lower healthcare costs. Outdoor recreation gives us economic benefits, $14 billion added to Pennsylvania's GDP every year. That's 1.6% of, of all economic productivity in the Commonwealth directly from outdoor recreation. Outdoor recreation is also a key driver of population growth and employment growth in small and medium-sized rural and industrial communities in Pennsylvania and New York and all around the country. Can you talk more about your work as a liaison in the industry and how do you work with non-governmental organizations and government partners to communicate the importance of outdoor recreation? You know, it's easy to think of outdoor recreation as something we do on a sunny Saturday afternoon or to think of that trails grow in the woods just like trees do. But outdoor recreation is an industry, it's a sector of our economy, just like any other sector. And like every other sector, we need an industry that is organized and that can speak with one voice. We need to coordinate within government around policy, around funding, around workforce preparation, around regulation in ways that can support that industry, that can maximize its benefits, that can mitigate any challenges that it faces. This work also involves partners. It involves non-governmental partners. It involves advocates and user groups. And heretofore, there has been no entity within state government charged with bringing all of these interests together and minding the shop, so to speak, holistically. That's my job. It's my job to be the liaison between the outdoor industry and government and our partners to ensure that we're working in unison, we have shared priorities, and we can move forward recreational development projects in a coordinated kind of a way. Uh, Nathan, before we go, is there anything else I have not touched on Do you want our listeners to know about? Well, I'd like our listeners to take advantage of this weekend that's coming up to join with their friends and family, go outside, have a great time, and then think about the importance of that in their lives and advocate for more people to be involved in outdoor recreation. And we live in an area that, to me, it seems so easy to do that. You just walk outside your door and you're in nature. It's a wonderland. We're talking to Nathan Ragnier, Pennsylvania's Director of Outdoor Recreation, talking about his talk that he has coming up in Narrowsburg, the Tree of Outdoor Recreation, on Thursday, March 2nd at the UDC office, also happening on Zoom starting at 7 p.m. Nathan, thank you so much for joining us on the program. Thank you for having me. I hope to join you again.
And that was WJFF's Patricia Rabio uh, with Nathan Reiner. Now, here to give us the latest on what's going on in the economic world and to help us make sense of it all is Jim Huntington with WorkShift Live. Hi, Jim. Good evening, <laughs> Tim. Good evening, listeners. Well, let's get to it. Let's talk about job fairs. There's one coming up in Monticello on Friday, and then we've got one scheduled in Matamoras early next month. What can you tell us? Well, we have a Center of Workforce Development hiring event going on this Friday between 11 and 2. It's featuring the New Hope Community and Exotic Flora and Fauna. It's at the Sullivan County Career Center. You may know where that is, 50 North Street in the government area there. 11 to 2 this Friday. We also have something that looks much larger coming at us. It's a way away yet it's on tuesday april 4th this is the working pike job fair it's going to be at the best western at hunt's landing 120 us 6 in matamoras it's much more than just pike county it's supposed to include employees from across the tri-state area it will be involving positions ranging from Healthcare, hospitality, financial manufacturing, warehouse, law enforcement, and sales, and positions all the way from entry level to managerial. So, recommendation here is come dress to impress and bring your resume. It's Tuesday the 4th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Best Western at Hunts Landing, the Working Pike Job Fair. Good to know. And uh, artificial intelligence is another topic you said you wanted to cover, and I just did a little research there. Not research, I Googled it. Uh, and I found a headline in The Economist, Investors are going nuts for chat, GPT, and artificial intelligence. Even Elon Musk wants his own AI chatbot. Oy, what should folks learn in response to all these artificial intelligence developments? Well, there's a great deal going on. I talked last week about a mutual fund that is being designed and managed, in effect, by AI that's done very well. At least in January, it did very well. February, no one did well. But it was looking good as far as the results came in. We have a number of things. One one piece here is by David Brooks, the Times columnist that came out actually about a month ago now, but it's called In the Age of AI, Major in Being Human. It's, it's geared toward college students, but it's advice for everybody. The things that he sees now as being valued with all the chat GPT and AI things going on are having a distinct personal voice, something that sounds different from the boilerplate sort of material AI kicks out. Presentation skills, including being able to network, to tie in with your audience, to bond with your audience, a, a childlike talent for creativity. We may be beating AI on creativity for some times to come. Unusual work views. Yes, if you have, or world views, rather. 
if you have opinions that are different and you can back them up and document them, those are the kind of things that will not be repeated over and over again. So that may help you a great deal. Empathy, yes, looking at behavioral patterns, especially in by incorporating literature, drama, biography, and history. Well, chatbots and such don't understand anything, and they don't know how to fig- to put these things in yet, so you may be able to help this. And then there's situational awareness, looking when and to break the rules and when not to. This is, again, the kind of thing that AI is not trained to do and will not be very good at for a long time. So if you can build up your skills in these kinds of things, you'll be well-positioned mm-hmm. to resist the job cutting and such that is about certain to happen from artificial intelligence. And uh, we just have about a minute to go. Today was the first day of trading uh, in March. Uh, All the major averages finished lower. Can you give us a brief uh, update on what happened with the stocks? Well, over the past week, these are weekly numbers or weekly differences here. Gold is at 1837. Over the past week, it's gained $11, matching the previous week's loss. Silver, 2097, down 52 cents over the last week. It's dogging it for some reason. The Dow dropped 384 in the past week. Yes, February was punk. We're all hoping we're not going to see anything like that for a while. All right. Oil up almost $4. Jim Huntington, sorry I had to cut it a little short tonight, but we appreciate it. Jim Huntington with WorkShift Live joins us every Wednesday here on the Local Edition. I'm Tim Bruno. Thanks for joining us, and we've got Trailer Talk next. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Women's Health Center in Honesdale, Hamlin, Waymart, Carbondale, and Lords Valley in Pennsylvania. Physicians and certified midwives who deliver. The Women's Health Center is a Wayne Memorial Community Health Center. WMH.org. From Rourke Law, Liberty, New York, a general law practice serving the Catskills and Delaware River Valley, with an emphasis on estate planning, estate administration, 